Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. If this podcast helps you spiritually, will you consider helping us naturally? You can give online or become a monthly partner as we aim to help more ministries and release more content. You can give online today at thelife.cc. Enjoy today's message. Amen. Well, I'll tell you what, I could go home now. Said it would have been good to be here. Uh, you know, sometimes I say it all the time, it's the truth. All you need is a song. Uh, and you got to get that in your own heart of like um, the Bible is big on psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Um, I, I went through a season of life where I, w- I wouldn't go to sleep until I had a song, just a brand new song. Uh, psalm and hymn and spiritual song and just a song for that season, a song for that day, a song for that season of life. And, and I want to encourage you to aim for that. Shoot for it. Amen. Uh, so um, anyway, I'm Joel. If you're new to Word of Life Andra, and I'm Joel. I'm the lead teaching pastor across all of our campuses, and we are super honored to have you here with us. We're talking about hear, how to hear from God, and tonight it's how to hear from God prophecy. Uh, so we're going to talk about prophecy. I know some of you get really excited about that. It's like, finally, yes, let's get weird. Uh, and so <laughs> some of you are like, I don't know, I've been burned. And some of you are like, ah, let's just see where this goes. But either way, we're going to have a lot of fun tonight. And I'm, I'm honored to talk about this subject. I was in um, Illinois, Champaign, Illinois. Uh, this past week and at a pastor's conference. And anytime I get a chance to do that, I'm always blessed. And um, before I spoke at one of the sessions, they went around and had different people um, kind of introduce themselves and let people know, know what they did. You know, are you in youth ministry? Or are you a pastor? Or are you a missionary? That kind of thing. Just kind of picked some different people out of the room and that kind of thing. And um, they, they kept going through, and it was kind of the same story until they got to this one person. And she stood up and she said, I'm 21. Which definitely probably made her the, definitely probably, probably made her the the youngest person in the room. Um, And uh, so she was just kind of talking about her life and, um, you know, just where she was from and when she graduated Bible school, that kind of thing. And as soon as I saw her. Uh, I knew I had a word from her, for her, and I didn't know exactly like what that would look like or you know, when in service you know, that would kind of play out and that kind of thing. But at the end of that night service, it was just a moment where we had um, a chance to yield to the Spirit of God. And any time that happens in a service, I'm excited about that. That's one of the big keys to, to seeing God move in your own life is you have to yield and create that space for him. And so oftentimes our lives and even our services are so full that we don't create that moment to yield and we miss out on something God could do. Uh, But no one was in a hurry. No one was was waiting to get out the door. Um, It was uh, refreshing (laughs) in many ways. And we just had a moment where we could yield. And there was a guy in the very back that I saw and the Lord gave me uh, a word for him too. And so I walked back there to give him that word and uh, did that. And then she was like, he was like back there by where the t-shirts are. And she would be like right there where the kind of media booth is. And so I walked up to her and uh, just began to speak. And, And I believe it was by the spirit. And I've learned to just pull the trigger on that when I get that. And I said, you're at a crossroads of life. And at 21, you've already developed much spiritually, but there's been things in your life that have been trying to keep you from developing even more. And just like God has called Moses out of Egypt, God has called you out of your Egypt, but Pharaoh refuses to let you go. 
and it's designed to delay your spiritual progress and to keep you from being the blessing God has called you to be because it's time to leave Egypt and it's time to go into your promised land. And it's a lot of sacrifice for someone as young as you are, but it's because of the call of God on your life and what he has for you that you're called to reach people of the next generation. You're called to teach them and instruct them in a way that goes beyond the natural and into something that is of the supernatural. And anyway, so, you know, there's a little bit more to it. But the next day, after I was done uh, speaking, I spoke three hours on the last day. After I was done and getting ready to fly out, she came down to me. And she said, do you remember me? I said, yes, of course I remember you. I said, you know, last night. And she said, yeah. She said, I just want to thank you for obeying God. I said, well, awesome. I said, I was honored to be able to, to see you and to, to speak anything by the Spirit into your life and count that a privilege. And she said, no, it really helped me. And I said, well, tell me about it. She said, well, I've lived in the same small town in Illinois for many years. And I left to go to Bible school and uh, to get a degree um, as a teacher. She said, you know, what you were talking about training young people, she said, I have it in my heart to be a teacher of young people and to, to do that in a church setting, but also do that in a school setting. But she said, I, I have an abusive boyfriend in the hometown that I'm in, and he's been like Pharaoh to me. He refuses to let me go, and oftentimes I see myself yielding to him. And I have this opportunity to move to Texas uh, and it would be away from all that's familiar to me, and it scares me. But she said, I knew in my spirit it was something that I was supposed to do. But even this week, this attack came up in my life where I felt him and everything else in my life trying to get me to stay where I was. And the word that you gave me was the exact word that I need to pull the trigger and to move forward in this season of life. This is prophecy. And this is something that in all of our lives we should be experiencing. Prophecy is something that should be in your heart because of words that have been spoken to you. But prophecy is also something that should be happening, and get this, through your life. Not just to you, but through you. Um, We build our, our, the foundation of our faith is built on the word of God. Now, this is essential. The foundation of your Christian faith should be built on the word of God. Now, the word word in the Greek has two primary different interpretations. One is logos, L-O-G-O. It's where we get our term logo, and it means the written word. And so the foundation of our faith is the written word. Um, We study this. We love Scripture. We love our Bibles. We read our Bibles, and we see Jesus through this. And, and it's the foundation of why we believe what we believe. And if anything contradicts this, we allow this to be our final authority. And so out of that, this is the foundation of our faith. But the shape of our faith, what is built upon that foundation, is the rhema word. And rhema throughout scripture in the Greek is, is the spoken word of God. It is God's word spoken into your heart. It is where, you know, the teaching of God's word turns into ministry. It becomes very personal. It's God speaking to you. And sometimes in a service where someone is teaching the written word of God or even singing the written word of God, because that's one of the things that singing uh, does, is singing is not just singing, it's teaching. Teaching one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. 
Uh, it's teaching, it's reinforcing God's word in our hearts, but sometimes it turns into something very prophetic. That it's more than just something that you're studying, but like in that service, God is speaking to your heart. And God is giving you specific direction for your life. This is the rhema word. This is God speaking to you. And, and we need this. We need a strong logos in our life. We need to study to show ourselves approved. We need to be in the written word of God. But we need a big rhema word in our life as well, where God is speaking to us. And one of the chief ways he does this in scripture is prophecy. Uh, And so I've got a lot of scripture that I want to turn to tonight. It'll be like a Bible drill because I like to do this pretty quickly too. Uh, And so let's just have fun with this. And of course, you know, with a Bible app, it makes it easy for you uh, who are using that. But a couple of things I want you to put in your notes for those of you who are taking notes uh, is number one, uh, in scripture, it's impossible to believe in the Bible without believing in prophecy. You cannot believe this scripture without believing in prophecy. Uh, for, For people who like to geek out on things, allow me to bless you. Um, there are 1,239 prophecies in the Old Testament. 1,239 prophecies in the Old Testament. There are 578 prophecies in the New Testament. 1,239 prophecies in the Old Testament. 578 prophecies in the New Testament. And 8,352 verses of Scripture that are prophecy. Um, To not believe in prophecy is to not believe in Scripture. And there was no error of Scripture where the prophetic was not seen in the earth. Uh, For you to be a Christian means you must believe in prophecy and that it must be in your life. To take away prophecy is to take away Scripture. To take away the prophetic is to take away what God has done in the Old Testament and in the New And if he did it in the Old Testament and he did it in the New Testament, how do you believe he's doing it today? Uh, That out of that, he is God and he changes not. And and out of this, prophecy is for us today. And and we need to have faith in that. Number two, um, the law longed for all of humanity to give prophecy. The law, which is in the Old Testament, longed for all of humanity to walk in prophecy. Uh, This scripture blessed me. Let's go over and look at it in the book of Numbers. Bible drill starts now. Numbers, Numbers chapter 11 and verse number 25. I want you to to notice this. Um, There's a moment where the Spirit of God descends upon all of the children of Israel and it's, it's right when Moses makes a decision to not be a one-man show, but to build and establish leaders. And I want you to watch what happens here in Numbers chapter 11 and verse 25. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him, uh, talking about Moses, and took him of the spirit who was upon him and placed him upon the 70 elders. And when the spirit rested upon them, watch, watch this, When the Spirit rested upon them, they, who's they, the ones whom the Spirit rested upon, they prophesied, but they did not do it again. But two men who had remained in the camp, 
the name of one was that fella whose name starts with an E, and uh, the name of the other was the M guy. The Spirit rested upon them. Now they were among those who had been registered but had not gone out of the tent. They prophesied in the camp. So a young man ran and told Moses and said, These two guys are prophesying in the camp. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, the attendant of Moses from his youth, said, Moses, my Lord, stop him, restrain him. But Moses said unto them, Are you jealous for my sake? Watch this. Would that all, all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. Then Moses returned to the camp, both he and the elders of Israel. Now, why is this important? Because out of Moses came the law. So the Old Testament is made up of something called the law and the prophets. This is why when Jesus was uh, on the Mount of Transfiguration, um, they saw um, uh, Moses and Elijah uh, because Moses symbolized the law and Elijah symbolized the prophets. The Old Testament is, is broken down into those things, the law, and then you see the prophets of them. The, the law came through Moses, which is the Ten Commandments. And the essence of the law was Moses seeing this is not the only way God wants to speak to people. He has a moment where he's seeing like, okay, here are ten rules that God has spoken to his people to follow. But would to God that everybody was a prophet. And would to God that everybody would have the Spirit of the Lord rest upon them and that they would prophesy. So this is the cry of the law. It was not only the cry of the law, but point number three, it was the cry of the Old Testament prophets. The cry of the Old Testament prophets was that people would be prophetic, that people would both hear from God and speak for God. Uh, We see this in the book of Acts. I could turn to in the the, the book of Joel, but for the sake of time, let's just look at the book of Acts. Uh, So not only did the law like say, I wish everybody was prophetic and everyone was prophesying, but the prophets also said the following. Acts chapter 2, the Spirit of God is poured out. And remember, when did they begin prophesying in the camp? When the Spirit of the Lord was upon them. When the Spirit of the Lord came upon them in the camp, they began to prophesy. Um, you see this happen all throughout the Old Testament is um, one be, uh, an example being Saul. Saul was anointed king. When the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, he began to prophesy as one of the prophets. The Spirit of the Lord always touches your mouth. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he touches your mouth with inspired utterance. And it's designed to change you and others into new people, into new men, into new women. And so you see this all throughout Scripture. But we see on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit is poured out upon individuals, uh, that out of this, uh, Peter is explaining to the people what happens. And when he does, he explains from the prophets. So he begins to talk about the Old Testament prophets. One of them, who's my favorite, uh, his name's Joel. And out of that, um, he quotes Joel from the book of Joel. And watch the cry of the prophets in the Old Testament. This is the prophet Joel, Acts 3, or Acts 2 and verse 16. But this is that which was spoken through the prophet Joel. It shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth my spirit on all mankind. Once again, what happened when the Spirit of the Lord was in the camp in Numbers? They began to prophesy. Watch this. I'll pour out my Spirit upon all mankind, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy, 
And your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams, even upon my bond slaves, both men and women. In those days, pour forth from my spirit, and they will prophesy. Now, I'll get ahead of myself, but since we're here, let's look at it. Notice the terminology again. I'll pour out my spirit on who? Verse, 16, verse 17. I'll pour out my spirit upon who? Everybody. And they're like, really? Everybody? He's like, yes, your sons. Who's your sons? If you're poor, your sons. Wealthy, your sons. Asian, your sons. Indian, your sons. American, your sons, your, and there's somebody says, was it just a man man thing? No, your daughters, your daughters, you, your sons, your daughters will what? Prophesy. Can I ask you, when's the last time you did? When the spirit of the Lord is upon you, you will prophesy. Somebody says me. Yes. All mankind, your sons, your daughters, you will prophesy. And he's like, well, in case you didn't get that, let me say it again, all the way to verse 18. Even on the bond slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out from my spirit, and they will what? Prophesy. And somebody says, well, when? Now, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. The Holy Spirit is in the camp. He's among his people. And they will prophesy. Uh, And so we see that prophecy is all throughout Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament. We see the law is crying out for for prophecy. Moses is like, I wish everybody would prophesy. Joel, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he's like, I see a moment in time where the Spirit of the Lord is poured out on all flesh, and everybody is prophesying. Everybody is hearing from God and speaking for God. Everybody is seeing God move through their lives in this way. It's the cry of the Old Testament prophet. Number four, uh, prophecy is designed to awaken God in you, to turn teaching and preaching into ministry. Prophecy is designed to awaken God in you and to turn teaching and preaching into ministry. Prophecy is where God gets personal. Teaching and preaching is corporate. Prophecy is individual. And and out of this, when, when prophecy, when God begins to speak to you, When a spirit of prophecy is on a message, when a spirit of prophecy is on a song, when someone has a prophecy for you that is from God, and that's a big distinction. We'll talk about that in a minute. But when someone has a word from God for you, it penetrates your soul and you see that God sees you. And it does something in you that absolutely nothing else can replace. And it it literally turns dead religion into something that is living. It turns, um, you know, a dead work into something that is live. God is, uh, is real to us. Uh, Paul writes about this in 1 Corinthians 14. Let's go over there and look at that. We're in Acts. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, key verses for prophecy or anybody understanding how these spiritual things work. But watch what he says here in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse number 25. He's correcting them a lot because the church got weird and church shouldn't be weird. Uh, And so he's trying to make it unweird and make it life-giving by correcting them. And we need correction. If you can't be corrected, you know what you are? Prideful. Uh, So out of that, uh, when you're humble, you're teachable. You want correction. 
You, you want someone to come and say, hey, you can modify this. You can change this. And so he's correcting them to make the church life-giving. What they did, in all honesty, and this is hard not to do, they created a church that they liked. And he said, in creating a church that you liked, you did not think about the unsaved and the unbeliever. You did not think about those who, who didn't know what you knew. And it's coming in, and he literally said, you're scaring them. They think you're crazy. And for a lot of spirit-filled churches, this is the case. It's like they created a church that they liked, and no one's really getting born again. They don't really even want to invite sinners. It's like, I don't think I want my neighbor to see this, and all those types of things. And he's correcting them. He's saying that's not what a church should be like. A church should be something that takes people in and trains them in the ways of the Spirit. And so he's correcting them in these things and, and giving them sound instruction But one of the things he talks about is what a true gift of the Spirit and prophecy will do. And this is the point that I want to make to you. And I want to ask you again, when is the last time this happened to you? But also, when is the last time this happened through you? When is the last time this happened to you? When is the last time this happened through you? Watch what he says prophecy will do. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse number 24. But if all prophesy, and once again, do you see the terminology? All prophesy. What does all mean? Everybody. But if all prophesy, and an unbeliever, or an ungifted man, meaning someone who has not been given the gift of the Spirit, enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all, and the secrets of his heart are disclosed. So he will fall down on his face, worshiping God, that declaring that God is certainly among you. Um, when, when that happened for that young girl on, on Thursday, Friday, or Thursday night, and she t- told me about it on Friday, what was it? It's like, God sees me. And it's a moment of clarity. It's a moment like like I am hearing from God and God is there and it forms the shape of her Christian life. The foundation is the word of God, but the shape of it, what we live in, what we dwell in is a rhema word, a word that God is speaking to us. And when something like that happens in your life, um, it, it, it really produces a faith in you that is unmovable and unshakable. And what has happened to so many people is they don't have that. Um, they, they've grown up and they've never, ever received a genuine prophecy. And they forget even like giving one, just receiving one. They haven't seen the Spirit of God work through them. And, and one of the things, like when you see this happen, and you know, in the, the charismatic circles, they call it like reading your mail of like, man, you're reading, really reading my mail or, you know, that type of thing. It's like, you know, all up in my business, you know, that kind of thing. It, it, it really solidifies something. But when that happens, it also solidifies something in you. When you know you have heard from God on behalf of someone else, it does something to your faith uh, that cannot be replaced by anything else. And so I'll ask again, when is the last time prophecy happened to you and when is the last time prophecy happened through you? This is something that should be happening within the context of the church. Number five, prophecy brings clarity for contended for direction. Prophecy brings clarity for contended for direction. Uh, For instance, once again, using this example that I've already used to keep this message concise and condensed. um, She had, this girl uh, who the Lord spoke to, she had direction in her heart that was being contended for. Her mind was at war with her heart. 
In her heart, she knew, I need to leave Illinois and I need to go to Texas. What, what is keeping me here is not good for me. And I know it's familiar, but it's not good for me. I need to leave this place. But her mind is fighting her heart. Has that ever happened to you? And her mind is like, but all my family is here. But all my job security is here. But all that's familiar to me is here. So her head is fighting her heart. The word of God is designed to cut through that. And this is what oftentimes prophecy is for. It is God seeing there is a word in somebody that is being contended for. So they need an outside word to bring clarity. Uh, We'll see this. Go over to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4. And let's look at verse number 12. Now, many of you know this verse, but look at it through the context of this lens. Hebrews 4 and verse number 12. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division. It divides the soul and the spirit and both joints and marrow and is able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Now look at that. The word of God is living and active. That word word there is not logos. A man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's not logos. Logos is the written word. Rhema is the spoken word. I live by the spoken word, what God is speaking to my heart, the logos becoming spoken, the logos not just being on a page, but written on my heart. And when you get a word from God that is living and active, a rhema word that is spoken to your heart, where it's the spirit speaking to your heart or the spirit speaking through someone who's hearing from the spirit for you, it is a divider of the soul and the spirit. And what happened for that young girl in that moment is all of a sudden God begins to speak and it's like you are hearing from God in your heart. Your head is trying to keep you back. It divided the soul from the spirit. It judged the thoughts and the intentions of the heart and let her see I am hearing from God. And oftentimes prophecy is used by God to bring clarity like that. When you're getting outside direction, because God primarily leads from the inside, when you're getting outside direction, it's oftentimes because you're not listening to the inside. That there is a confirming word in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. There's a confirming word coming from the outside to to solidify the inside word. And so prophecy is used by God to do this in our lives, which is why we need to have it open and we need to have it available. Number six. Prophecy gives us a weapon to contend with. Prophecy gives us a weapon to contend with. Go over to 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1 and verse 18. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 18. How does God speak to us? He speaks to us through desire. He speaks to us through peace. He speaks to us through knowing. And he speaks to us through prophecy. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 18. This command I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, he's talking about in the faith, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you fight the good fight of faith. Um, Now, how many of you know we are literally trained and no pastor, no pastor, even if they were cessationists, which cessationists believe that like this is, you know, stopped in Bible times. Um, Even if you were a cessationist, There is no pastor who would look at this or look at scripture and be like, don't be a doer of it. 
Be a doer of the word of God. If God tells you to do it in scripture, do it. Can I ask you a question? How in the world would you wage a good warfare with the prophecies that went before you if you never got a prophecy? If you never had God speak to you prophetically, how would you wage warfare with that word? And the answer is you couldn't. And throughout your life, there will be things that try to stop you from running your race and finishing your course. And when that happens, you need to do like Jesus did, and you pull out the Word of God. And a lot of times, that's the Logos Word of God, but it's also the spoken Word of God, the Rhema Word of God, and you begin to contend for that. You've heard me tell this story before, but I was a young kid, like 14 years old. We had this prophetic woman come in by the name of Mary Fran, and she came into the church, and like I was petrified of Mary Fran, like golly, I'm like, oh, this is bad. I need to like throw away all my CDs now. Uh, for those of you who are like really young, CDs were these things that had music on them, um, and they would scratch and you know all those kinds of things. So, but but anyway, I'm like, I, I need to judge myself in all these areas because she's going to hear from God and she'll tell my parents. And so we're sitting at at lunch after the service. And service is over. We're at Ralph and Cuckoo's. Uh, it was a restaurant on County Line where the Starbucks and all that is now. And she, she picked up a fork and she stuck it in my face. And she's like, I see you. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Like my stomach just, you know, like dropped and I'm sweating and all these things. I'm like, I repented, Lord. How could you tell her if you forgave it and forgot it? Uh, so she's, she's got her fork in my face and she says, I see you. And I see you driving a string of U-Hauls from where you are at on Highway 18 now to a facility by the airport. And you're the only one I see. What is this? Prophecy. And at the time, I'm like, what are you talking about? I can't drive. I don't want to be in ministry. Um, I, you know, why wouldn't you see my father or my sister or my mom? You see me driving a string of U-Hauls? So I didn't think anything of it. 17 years old, see my father. I'd, made, I'd really gotten on fire for Jesus. You know, I had a, a big turning point uh, in my life. And I wake up, see my father, uh, go to school. I'm sitting in science class. I know my father has died. No one's told me. I just know it. And right after me knowing that, that prophecy came up in my heart. And I had not thought about it for years. That prophecy came up in my heart that she saw me driving a string of U-Hauls from Highway 18 over to property by the airport. In between that time when I was 14 and that time at 17, we bought property by the airport. My father never intended to build out there. He always was going to expand Highway 18. He bought property by the airport. My father died. My mom moved away, long story short, all those types of things when my father passed away. And I took that prophecy that was given to me. Of all the things that could come up in my heart, I took that prophecy that was given to me, and I wore good warfare. And I would come before the Lord and stand upon that word and say, No, Father, you told me we would be able to make this move. You showed me at 14 years old at Ralph and Cuckoo's that I would be driving a string of U-Hauls from Highway 18 all the way over to a property by the airport. And it didn't work out the way that I thought it would work out, but I am warring a good warfare with the prophecies that came before me. You will be faithful to your word. You will be faithful to finish it. You will be faithful to perform it. You will be faithful to do it. And you wore a good warfare 
there with the prophecies that came before you. Sometimes you are Joseph in a prison and you got to remind God of the dream he spoke to you. Sometimes you are David in a wilderness and you got to remind God what the prophet Samuel spoke over you. And if you don't, you lose the war. And you don't lose the war because God didn't want you to win. You lose the war because you're not using the weapon God gave you, which was his word, which was designed by him to be powerful and potent in your life. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And you take those prophecies and you speak them back to God. God, you said blank, whatever that prophecy may be. And so Paul is telling Timothy here, Timothy, you're not doing that. You need to War, a good warfare with the prophecies that came before you. Anything I get that God speaks to me, whether to my heart or through a prophecy, I write it down and then I type it out and I put it in a folder. And I can show you prophetic word over and over and over and over and over again that has come to pass in my life because I take this stuff seriously. If God said it, it's because he designed my life to be built upon it. His word is my foundation. I'm not building my life on sand that shifts. I'm building my life on the rock of God, which is his word. And out of that, I'm going to wage a good warfare with the prophecies that came before me. He, he told Timothy again, 1 Timothy chapter 4, right next door, verse 14. He tells him this, do not neglect the spiritual gift within you which was bestowed on you through the prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. Notice he said, Timothy, get this in your heart. He said, Timothy, there was something that is in you now that you were not born with. You were born with gifts, talents, and abilities, but there is something in you that you needed to run your race and finish your course that you were not born with. It was given to you through the laying on of hands and the prophecy that they gave you. And you need this to run your race. Give yourself to these prophecies. And so we need to, number six, uh, it gives us a weapon to contend with. Uh, Now, I'll begin wrapping this up. Now, who can prophesy? We've already talked about it. Who can prophesy? Everybody. Everybody can prophesy. And we looked at that in Acts. uh, But let's look at it here in 1 Corinthians 14, verses 1 through 5. My sons, my daughters, whoever it may be, everybody that the Spirit of the Lord is on has the prophetic open to them. 1 Corinthians 14, verses 1 through 5. Pursue love, yet earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may what? That especially that you may prophesy. Not that you may just hear a prophecy or be in a service where a prophecy is spoken, but earnestly desire that you, ma'am, you, sir, will prophesy. And I'll ask this question based off of that. How much do you desire to prophesy? Earnestly desire. The King James says literally covet. Covet this gift hunger for this gift. Why? Because you should be hearing from God and you should be speaking for God. Especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in tongues does not speak to men, but speaks to God. For no one understands him, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. But the one who prophesies speaks to men for edification, for exhortation, and for consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. Now I wish that every single one of you spoke in tongues, and I wish that same thing. 
but even more that you would prophesy. That you would prophesy. And, and greater is the one who prophesies than the one who speaks with tongues, unless he interprets so that the church may receive edification. So here we see um, Paul talk about this. He keeps talking about it in verse number 31. Let's go over there and look at it. Same chapter, 14. For you can all prophesy. <laughs> you can all, you can all, that means every one of us. Um, and he says this in verse number 31. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all may be exhorted. You can prophesy one by one. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Go down to verse 39. Therefore, my brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak in tongues. It's amazing how so many people don't do either of those things. Like we have whole denominations that are like prophecy's been done away with and none of that tongues business. And, and like literally Paul is like, I desire earnestly for you to prophesy and do not forbid someone to speak with tongues, but all things must be done properly and in an orderly manner. So there's the discipline. It's like let the river flow in the banks, uh, seek peace and let the spirit of God move. So does everyone see here that this should be in your life? That this should be something operational in your Christian experience? That you are receiving prophecy and you are giving prophecy? If everyone is prophesying, that means we have prophecies to war good warfare with. And if everyone is prophesying, that means I am prophesying. I am hearing from God and I'm speaking on his behalf. And somebody says, well, I'm a new Christian. Well, let me just solve this. Acts chapter 19, let's go over there and look at that. Acts chapter 19 and verse number 1. And this is like, let's say this is for the seasoned saints, Pastor Joel, and I'm just not there yet. Okay, well, let's look here in Acts chapter 19 and verse 1. It happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper coast of, of Ephesus and found some disciples. And he said unto them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said unto him, No, we haven't even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And every, whenever I teach on the Holy Spirit, I use this because this is where a lot of Christians are at. Like, they know a lot about God, they know a lot about Jesus, and they're like, I don't know about that Holy Spirit stuff. It's like churches that teach that either wear no makeup or too much. Like, all those kinds of things. They, like, know nothing about the Spirit. And so they're disciples, and they're like, but do you know anything about the Holy Spirit? They're like, nope, haven't even heard of him. Who is the Holy Spirit? What does this look like? All those types of things. So you got baby Christians. They literally know nothing about the Holy Spirit. Jack, nothing. And so out of that, he found some disciples. Verse 2, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they're like, nope, haven't even heard there was a Holy Spirit. And he said unto them, well, then what were you baptized in? And they said unto John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptize of repentance. What was John's baptism? Behold the Lamb. So they knew Jesus. And so John told them about Jesus. And it's like, yes, Jesus. They received Jesus, but had not been trained in the Holy Spirit. Telling the people to believe in Jesus who was coming after him, that is Jesus. Verse 5, and when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. This means they were water baptized. Verse 6, and when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began to speak with tongues and prophesy. They were all about 12 men. The first demonstration out of their heart is they're speaking in tongues and then prophesying. They didn't go to Bible school. They had never listened to this series on how to be led by God. None of that. It was just the natural outflow of our human experience uh, in the, the Lord. And somebody says, well, then why don't we see more of this? I'll tell you why. In the Atlanta airport on my way home, 
had a late flight. And so, you know, it's just one of those things. I'm a little irritated because I'm like, I could have planned this better and like not had like a four hour layover. And anyway, uh, so I'm like, I'm going to make the best of it though. And just, you know, see who I can bless. And, and so this one little store was still open and like, I'm like, I'm going to go in there and like, you know, just mingle and just see if I see somebody that maybe the Lord wants to speak to or something. And so I I go up to the lady at the cash register and uh, she's there and I just smile real big. And I'm like, Hey, and she's like, Hello. I said, how are you? She's like, I'm good. She said, how are you? I'm like, I'm great. And the whole time I'm just waiting to see, like, is there a word? Is there something God wants me to say? And nothing comes, which is okay. But I just start talking to her and that kind of thing. And so uh, we exchange, you know, pleasantries about our day and, you know, long. We're both looking forward to getting home and all those types of things. And I, I asked her, I said, do you travel a lot? And um, she said, well, no. She said, honestly, I've only been right here in Atlanta and then to Alabama. And I'm like, really? And she's like, yeah. And she said, do you travel a lot? I said, yes. I said, actually, I've been all over the world. I've been to almost every state and been to so many nations. It's been a wonderful thing. She's like, oh, I've always wanted to travel. I'm like, you should, you work at an airport. I'm like, you should. I said, you should just pick a flight and go somewhere. Uh, you know, just, and I almost like, here, I've got points. Like, let's book you on. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. But I'm like, you should. You should go somewhere. I'm like, you're, you're seeing people go somewhere all the time. Like, you're watching all these other people. You're watching all these other people go somewhere. You're watching all these other people have adventures. You're watching all these other people see new things and experience new things. Like, you should just... Pick a flight and go somewhere. She's like, oh, I can't. I'm like, why? She's like, I'm afraid to fly. <laughs> why are you afraid to fly? I started laughing. And she said, oh, I just, I watch too much TV. She said, I said, I've seen too much. I'm like, no, flying. I said, did you know, statistically, you have a greater shot of dying from a vending machine falling on you than you do in a flight. And seriously, statistics, that's odds. And she's like, really? I'm like, yes. I'm like, there's no need to be worried. She's like, I just don't know if I could ever get it. I'm like, you so should. And so I didn't quite convince her to, you know, hop on a plane and go on an adventure. But this is why we don't see more. We have been trained that this is hard. We have been trained that prophecy and all this other kind of stuff is for the spiritual elite. And we're like the guy with the one talent that God has given one talent to. And we're watching all these people with five and two. And it's like, man, if I had what they had. Man, if I had what they had. And out of fear, we bury our talent. And God speaks to us, and it's a, it's a little bit, it's like, is that me? And we wrestle with it, and it's like, no. And so we, we put it away, and we bury it. And the people who had two and five, all they did was just take it out with boldness and use it. And in your own life, God wants this so active in you. Like there's a great adventure of the Holy Spirit that is out there for literally every single person in this room. I don't care how long you've walked with Jesus. I don't care what your Christian experience is or what it's limited to. For every single person here and listening to this, there is a great spiritual adventure waiting for you. It is you taking the step and having the boldness to go on the adventure. And so there's so much I want to say, but I'll just, I'll save it for the next time we meet. Because I've got a whole bunch of other notes of like, well, how do I say it? And what does that look like? And, you know, all of those other things. But the big key, you know what it is? Hunger. Earnestly desire spiritual gifts. But especially 
that you may prophesy. And, and I want you to be keenly sensitive to the Spirit of God around you. And, and I want you to, like, just, just take a, a step outside of the boat. And I know most Christians are like the disciples where it's like, nope, ain't stepping out there. Jesus is on the water. We'll let Peter go because we're afraid of sinking because that's the rule. Most people stay in the boat. They want safe, cute religion, white picket fences. And you know what you get with that? No adventure. God's always outside the boat. And you're going to have to get uncomfortable, and you're going to have to step out, and you may miss it. And I've missed it before, too. And you may sink, and you may be at this place where it's like, this was a terrible idea. I'm stuttering over my words. I don't know why I engaged this person, and everything I'm saying seems so much more like the flesh than the spirit. And you have to cry on Jesus to help you, and he brings you back to the boat and coaches you. But you know what you have that you didn't have before? A story. And you learn and you get better and you become someone who hears from the Father. That you know his voice and the voice of a stranger you will not follow. And it pays dividends in your heart. But I'm telling you, it will pay dividends in the lives of the people who are around you. Because when you hear from God in a real way and you speak that out in somebody's life and they fall down on their knees and report that God is real, You know why we have a world that's turning away from religion and wants nothing to do with church? Because we don't do this. We don't have people who know the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is literally designed to bring people to Jesus. And when you walk through a situation where it's like God shows you the secrets of somebody's heart and you know they suffered pain at 13... And you know that they're wrestling with thoughts of suicide right now. And you know that they're going through all of these types of things. or uh, They've been ashamed of their smile for all these years. And God sees that. And he wants them to let them know they're fearfully and wonderfully made. Whatever it may be. They see God as real. And they may not know Matthew or John 3.16. But they can't doubt the fact that God just showed them something about their life that only God would know. I've walked in a gas station before, saw the the clerk and known you're abused by your husband. You're trying to get away. You need money. And pulled people together right there in that moment. Called it out. She's weeping. She was Catholic. Right outside of Birmingham, Alabama. Some of my greatest moments in my Christian faith have been moments of outside the boat, outside the comfort zone, not in a service, not in a a moment, in life. And what if each one of us were doing that? What if each one of us had four or five stories where something like that happened in our life and God confirmed himself as real in the life of someone else? How different this world would be. And I want to encourage you, like, You may not be perfect on the adventure, but at least get on the plane. Because I've been on planes and some of the trips were duds. But I've been on others that made memories that lasted a lifetime. Step out. Ask God to help you. Wake up every day and say, Father, I want a word. I I want a gift of the Spirit. I want a word of knowledge. I want a word of wisdom. I want a prophecy. You give gifts unto men, 
And Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus. Like, let's quit talking about the new car. You know what I want more? I want to be used by you. I want to be your hands. I want to be your feet. I covet prophecy. I covet to hear from God. Father, I covet for you to speak to me and for you to speak through me. I want to live by bread that comes out of your mouth. I want to rhyme a word. And I want to give a rhyme a word. Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Father, we come before you today and we just thank you in the name of Jesus. That we would be people that walk with you in intimacy. We would be people that walk with you prophetically. We would be men, we would be women who would be yielded to your spirit and led by your hand. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 